Hey listeners, before we get to our regular show, I have an exciting announcement about our next live show, Together for the Rant, The Last Laugh. Now this doesn't mean it's our last live show ever, it means that it is connected to the last Together for the Gospel conference ever, thus The Last Laugh. It will be Monday, April 18th at 7pm at Sojourn New Albany, Sojourn Church, New Albany, Indiana. Now you might be thinking, T4G is in Louisville. Indiana is a different state. Those don't sound very close together. In reality, New Albany is about a 10-minute drive from where T4G takes place just across the river there, so very close by. Again, Monday, April 18th, 7 p.m., we will have two different ticket options. We have a standard $20 ticket option. That just means you get to attend and enjoy two live recordings and a Q&A and hanging out with us. Or we have a $45 premium ticket option, which there's a limited quantity of these, up to 50 That will include an exclusive Last Laugh t-shirt and some other goodies designed by our good friend Josh Byers, who does all of our swag and all of our merch for us. So again, $20 or $45, including a t-shirt, some stickers, other goodies. You can find all of this at thehappyrant.com. It's at thehappyrant.com. Look for the live show link. You can buy your tickets there. You can select premium or standard. We would love to see you Monday, April 18th, 7 p.m. for Together for the Rant, The Last Laugh. Now, enjoy the podcast. Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio. By my good friend, my partner in radio, Barnabas Piper. Pipe, Ronnie is out doing what humble small town pastors do, which is getting on airplanes and flying all over the country writing books. Um, staying in tiny houses in middle America. Yeah. I mean, when I was growing up in Hartford City, you know, this, this little uh, blue collar town in Indiana, you know, our pastors often were not there because they were just jet setting across the country. So. Um, you know, that's, I mean, I, my understanding is he went St. Louis and Kansas city. So, uh, no offense to those residents, but I'm not jealous of him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. He better him than us, but, uh, yeah. So Ronnie, not here again. Uh, but Piper, we are here again and we are going to talk some travel stuff and some travel preferences, I guess in quote unquote honor of our third host. Um, we're going to talk about some honor. Yeah. yeah. Honor and, you know, mockery and yeah. judgment from a distance, exactly. et cetera. Honor question mark. Um, we will get into that pipe, but we have, we have kind of a historic moment, uh, on the program in that we have some big changes coming up that we've kind of teased to people. Uh, we'll be ready to roll that out, uh, for real in a couple of weeks, but, um, this is going to be our last kind of traditional ad read with dwell Bible. Uh, that doesn't mean we're breaking up with the Well Bible. It just means our relationship is going to change a little bit. And this may be the last Barnabas Piper Dwell Bible ad read. So uh, this will go down in the annals of radio history as a big moment. Uh, oh, I'm a little, I'm a little verklempt. I wasn't, uh, <laughs> you know, I wasn't prepared for the kind of emotional gravity of this moment. I know it, dude. Yeah, this is kind of like a, a little bit of a farewell tour of sorts. But uh, you know, not to put added pressure on you to really nail this read, but. Um, you know, it's kind of a big one, not a dry eye in the house. I'll tell you that. 
Yeah, it, it feels a little bit, you know, like when, like the summer after high school, when, you know, some people are staying home and then one friend is like heading off for the West Coast, yeah. which for those of us who grew up in middle America, the West Coast may as well be like heading off to Australia or <laughs> Vietnam true. or something. So yeah. it, you know, this is like, this is the farewell to, to dwell and it, it, it it's, you know, it's, it's kind of heart rending, but also exciting because big things are afoot yeah. and uh, maybe we're the ones going to the West Coast because we're the ones making the change. But again, it's sort of a, like mm-hmm. with some trepidation and some sorrow, but also this is a really good thing for us kind of situation. Yeah, like Dwell is standing on the, the train platform in the 1950s movie, and we yeah. are like Cary Grant, like leaning out the window, waving back fondly at Dwell. Uh, as yeah, the train and then pulls the out train just goes slowly around the bend and out of sight. <laughs> exactly, and exactly. They go sadly home to their their bleak middle American existence. And yeah, we, we set off for a grand new horizons. Yeah. Like think of us as like photographing our shoes in the airport waiting room and dwell sort of reading the tweet later, you know, that's that's kind of the dynamic. (laughs) Sadly accurate. I want to actually, I want to do a couple minutes on that, but Piper do tell, do tell them about dwell Bible. Then we'll get back into photographing one shoes in the airport and why that's. Yes. Yes, let's get things. Let's get our priorities in order here. So, listeners, Dwell Bible is an audio Bible app who we love dearly. Uh, in in all seriousness, we we really love the product. It is, um, I think, it's the best Bible listening experience I'm aware of because of all of the different ways that you can go about it. It's not just a straight read unless you want that. There's multiple narrators, multiple uh, musical backgrounds, which is great, especially if you're, you know if you're running or doing chores or whatever to kind of have that, that melodic background is nice. Um, they have, they have plans where you can listen through the Bible in a period of time, whether that's a year two years, whatever, or, um, they have playlists where if you're just, you know, you're feeling particularly discouraged, they have promises of God or encouragements or prayers or different things like that. So just a, a, a whole variety of ways to engage scripture in, all of those times of life when reading is kind of off the table. You know, you can't do it while you're driving. You can't do it while you're working out. You can't do it while you're mowing the lawn, but you can listen. So if you go to dwellapp.io slash happy rant, uh, you can see the discounts they have for our listeners. Those will continue until they decide to shut them down. So take advantage of those. You can also buy this as a gift for someone else. You can buy Dwell and and give away the access uh, to somebody who you know will appreciate it. Um, I use it as I'm getting ready to teach or preach. I often use it when it's just, you know, kind of a particularly weary stretch of life and reading feels cumbersome, but I know that God's word's, you know, particularly important in those times. So, uh, we encourage you to check it out. Go to dwellapp.io slash happy rant. You'll see a 30% discount on their lifetime subscription and a 10% discount on their annual subscription. Uh, the money is completely worth it. It will, it will, I don't know if revolutionize is the right word, but it will certainly expand the way that you can interact with, engage, and, and absorb God's word. Love it, man. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good product that like we all love using, you know, which I think is is rare in this business, especially as the show grows and we take on different ads. Like this is one that I know we all use it, we all enjoy it, uh, we all really think a lot of it, and uh, great way to get some Bible into your life. So. Speaking of getting things into your life electronically, um, I have probably three three friends on a rotation that just kind of of their own volition 
will screenshot me Ronnie's tweets and just send them my way. So in a sense, I feel like I subscribe to Ronnie's Twitter feed despite not subscribing to it. And one of the recent ones was like him photographing a picture of his Chuck Taylors on like an airplane or in an airport lounge with the kind of like uh requisite sort of faux humble caption. Um, my question to you is, is this a thing that lots of people are doing or a lot of people doing like the shoes in the airport photo as a way of saying, Hey, I'm traveling. Look at me. I, <clears throat> I don't know that. It, I think it used to be more of a thing kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, there was a time when everybody posted pictures of their latte art or lunch, yeah, true. Or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And that's, I'd say that that is, that's still out there, but mm-hmm. it's not, it's not the norm. Yeah. Um, the only people I know of who do this with consistency are people in ministry. So, um, and they do it, some of them do it sort of tongue in cheek. Some of them do it like it's their shtick. So yeah. best friend Jared C. Wilson does this when he travels and it's always shoes and his brown leather backpack. Like, <laughs> yeah. And so I kind of wonder if Ronnie is, um, is sort of doing this in, you know, in honor as an homage, of, as it were. Yeah. yeah kind yeah. of, yeah. Kind of that, that sort of thing or possibly in mockery of, I'm not totally sure. Maybe just trying it on for size. How does this work? You know, because, um, you know, Ronnie, Ronnie's normally a little bit more crafted in his yeah. imagery. It's a little bit more curated, a little bit more cozy, yeah. has more of the kind of farmhouse vibe to it. Yeah. So this is this is a different uh, that's a different that's a different feel for him altogether. Dude, you're right. Yeah. It's it's like we're it's it's like we're back in a certain time period and like Picasso has just released a new painting and we're trying to parse it. You know, it, it, it's it's like we're looking at like Guernica for the first time. Yeah, but like he tried a different style. Like he yeah, went to like yeah. cubism and you're like, oh, this is this is this is a different move for Picasso. For him. Pablo, what happened? You know, yeah. Um, if it was a mockery, I think I would respect it a little bit more, honestly. Like if if he was kind of trying to drag at Jared C with by by trying to do the same picture, I think I, I would I would have some more respect for it. But uh, well, see, and I think that might be the case because he was on his way to see oh, best friend Jared C Wilson. I, so I I kind of wonder if it was a like coming at you, bro, type of thing. Are they together right now? I don't know if they are this very minute, uh-huh. but they have been in in recent days. <laughs> that would explain their. That's that would explain why he has no time for this program lately. Like I feel like when he goes to see Jared, um, it's as though there's no internet in uh, in Kansas City, and he's just maybe like, there. Clear maybe stuff. there was some like confrontation and reconciliation that needed to happen after Ronnie and I did the Art of Pastoring podcast. That is true. Which was an which was an absolute. I mean, it was a real conversation, but it was yeah. an absolute mockery of Jared. So, did you guys um, get some blowback on that from Jared? I mean, a couple tweets, couple tweets, blowback. Yeah. I, and and I'll, I don't I mean who again? Who knows what happened in their best friend sphere? That is true of of text messages and phone calls and late night FaceTimes and whatever else to kind of work through the yeah. emotional angst of all of that. Maybe Jared was like laying in his bedroom on his stomach under the poster of Tom Brady with like his ankles kicked up in the air, like twirling the, the house phone cord in his fingers while talking to Ronnie, you know, I can, and the- I can absolutely see it. <laughs> what, uh, what pattern is the, is like the quilt and bedspread? Is it like, yeah. is it Patriots? Is it, you know? Yeah. I think it's, what like, is it? I, it's Patriots. G.I. Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Patriots. There's like some, some G.I. Joe stuff on there too. And, uh, you know he's got the he's got the little corded house phone, and his ankles are up in the air, and he's just he's just talking to his best friend long into the night. 
you know, just connecting, doing what pastors do. Um, well, they had some hard things to work through. So that's, I mean, I'm glad that they, I'm glad they took that step. Honestly, if like Megan Tennant, Megan Barada now, my bad. Uh, if, if our resident artist, Megan wanted to draw that, I would be, I would be here for it. Um, oh yes. <laughs> that would be amazing. Both of them in their respective bedrooms, Ronnie under his like, well, he would be on his back with his feet kicked straight up in the air, like against the wall. Oh, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. That he's that, one. He, he's that post. Yeah, under a under a poster of like the Smiths or the Cure. Subtext: I have a complicated emotional life. You know. Yeah, uh, possible possible uh, lava lamp in that room. Uh, yeah, I could see it. Um, yeah, minimalist, like maybe an homage to like dirt bikes or whatever. Um, but yeah, like, uh, well, that, yeah, that would be like just the helmet hanging on the corner of the bed post. Yeah. Helmet like hanging the, on the bed post. Yeah. But yeah, the room would be like three fourths mope rock from, from Great Britain. And then, uh, the other, the other fourth would be maybe like dirt bikes, but, uh, but yeah, feet definitely up against the wall, twirling the, the, the phone cord in the self same way that Jared is twirling it on his end. And, uh, yeah, Megan, if you're out there and you want to paint that, we uh, we would be thrilled. But Piper, we we're going to talk about travel preferences because apparently Ron has also been tweeting out the fact that he loves to stay in tiny houses when he travels um, in classic small town, humble pastor fashion. Again, uh, finding tiny houses to stay in. My question to you is like scale of one to ten. How would you place like your desire to stay in a tiny house? Negative six. <laughs> yeah. Talk about that. I just, well, it starts with the fact that I am not tiny, you know? Yeah, and right. I think you, You're bigger. You can, you can empathize with this. Yeah. We are, we're about the same height. Yeah. I'm, you know, I easily clear 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. Anything that is described as tiny feels uh, claustrophobic and restrictive right from the get-go. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, you can save money on a subcompact car. You know what? That sounds awful. This yeah. is a, a tiny house is the subcompact car of of sleeping accommodations. I want to be able to stand up and not hit my head. That's so there's just a pragmatic aspect to it. And then there's just like I I don't do cozy. Like yeah. coziness is not a thing for me. Yeah. It all you know what my wife is very much on the opposite end of the scale. Like she loves the idea of coziness. So blankets and pillows and, <laughs> you know, kind of close quarters and like yeah. warmth and all of that makes me feel constricted and like sweaty. Yeah. And that's like tiny house feels like that to me. Yeah. It's, it, I just kind of am immediately like, ah, no, I need, I would like, I would like space uh, or just pure functionality, like a simple hotel room that then I can leave works yeah. just fine too. No, absolutely. It's it's so funny with the tiny house thing because I remember like four or five years ago when all those documentaries dropped on Netflix. I remember watching them and being kind of drawn in by them, but also at the very same moment thinking, "This is really stupid." Like this this was conceived by people who have way too much time and way too much money and are just too creative by half. Like the thought of taking like a shed and something that you could drag behind a trailer and making a house out of it just seems so incredibly dumb to me. When did they, well, yeah. When, like what, when did people stop realizing that this is just making trailer parks sexy? Yeah. Like, so, but, but for the people who would, 
get into a tiny house. These people are like the furthest away from the people who would gravitate toward a trailer park, right? So these are like, you know, a feat well-to-do hipsters who are sort of, quote-unquote, choosing uh, this, quote-unquote, lifestyle. And, yeah, like people who live in trailer parks probably aren't there by choice, you know? <laughs> um, so it's, it's a totally different set of math for these two people groups. But, like, it, it, the tiny house thing has had more staying power than I thought it would. The fact that Ronnie can still sort of go on tiny house Airbnb and seek these places out six years later is kind of surprising to me. It's had a longer so I've, tail. I've done this. Like, so, yeah. so my wife and I last summer, we're going to get away for a few days. And so I was looking at, you know, Airbnbs in, in North Carolina and East Nashville and the mountains. And you know, there's a bunch of them that are listed as tiny houses. And I go look and I'm like, that's not a tiny house. Yeah. That is an RV that you just planted somewhere. <laughs> exactly. It's, I can smell it from here. Like I know yeah. exactly what that thing is. And they're like, Oh, and then there's a quaint outhouse. I'm like quaint. Yeah. And rustic. Right. Are just lies in this case. That's what those are. That means I got to pee in the woods. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's, so the, the tiny house thing has become a, like a marketing masterpiece. Oh, for sure. And it, so I th my recollection is that when it started, it was kind of environmental type of people, like mm -hmm. environmentally conscious people who really started this because like, oh, you can reuse, like we can, we can solve housing issues right. by reusing things like shipping containers and stuff like <laughs> that to create this. And I'm like, okay, there's, there's merit in that idea yeah, if it can yeah. be done on a mass scale. Yeah. But now we're just talking about a cabin. Mm-hmm. That's too small to be comfortable in. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And where you have to go outside to use the bathroom. You can like, yeah, you can like, you can make, yeah, you have to, you have to go to the bathroom elsewhere and then you can like make coffee while sitting on the foot of your bed because there's no other space. Yeah. And there's not a place to like sit and read unless you're again on the tiny little bed platform or whatever. Yeah. It's a, it's a really interesting paradigm. And I feel like over the last few years, KK and I have really learned to like parse Airbnb language um, like cozy is a non-starter. Like if someone has the word cozy in their Airbnb listing, you know that it's an old house. Uh, it's small. Um, it's probably in a crummy neighborhood. Um, and the furniture's not comfortable. And the furniture's not comfortable. Like all these words mean things. And, you know, you have to really kind of do your, you, you have to do some like serious deep dive kind of etymological work to get yourself into a decent Airbnb, um, which kind of has us swinging back to the idea of hotels. So like we went to Las Vegas last spring and we're about to book another trip to Vegas for May. We stayed in actually the perfect hotel room. Um, it was in the Venetian. It was huge. And I don't know what they did to that building, but like when you were in the room, you couldn't hear a thing. It was like a soundproof. It was like a like a sound studio. And, you know, the minute we hit that room, uh, it was a suite with like different levels. So like the bedroom was on one level and then you would walk down a few stairs and there was a little living room and like an incredible view of the mountains or whatever. And I was just like, this is the hotel room I've been looking for my entire life. And it's not like I'm in love with the city of Las Vegas or whatever. But 
we're gonna we're gonna kind of go back just for that hotel and then like the pool was really great the restaurants were amazing if what you actually want to do on vacation is relax like to me that was the place for it um and it and it kind of has ruined us on you know crummy high character airbnbs and and yeah hampton inns and that sort of thing forever oh probably. yeah it's so so uh yeah lauren and i have we're we're coming to the end of a house hunting season oh we're, wow we're under contract waiting for the appraisal it's all very exciting but yeah. in that process you know yeah like i always thought for a long time i wanted like a high character house like man an mm -hmm. old house would be great and then I started looking at it, I'm like, you know, you know what I like? Convenience. Yeah. I like convenience and 100%. comfort. And, yeah. it's, and it's even more true when I travel. Yeah. So like when I look at Airbnbs and I see a tiny house, I'm like, I, that is intentionally inconveniencing myself. Yeah. Or a cozy old house with character. I'm like, no, I want a new house with a redone kitchen. That's what I want. <laughs> Absolutely. I want Wi-Fi. I want air conditioning. Yeah. Especially if I'm going to stay there for more than like two nights. You know, yeah. really like... The longer I'm going to stay, the more space I want and the more comfort I want. And I think I'm just a like I'm just sort of that grumpy middle aged guy who's like I traveling is an inconvenience, yeah, kind of by itself. Yeah, when I arrive, I want this to be as as perfectly comfortable as possible. <laughs> Definitely, I think it kind of ultimately comes down to who you're trying to impress. And by the time you get to be our age, you're not really trying to impress anybody anymore. And like, I, I remember when I was like 25 and we were buying our first house, it seemed really important to like, I don't know, live in the kind of like, you know, gritty but artsy downtown neighborhood and have the old house with character that we were like redoing stuff on. And now, like that set of criteria just feels unspeakably stupid to me. Um <laughs> It, almost so much that like I can't believe that I was that person, but it wasn't that long ago. You know what I mean? And like, um, maybe yeah, there was a time when it felt like the suburbs were totally selling out. Oh, and totally. now it's like, yeah. Oh, I know why people live here. It's because Target is a mile away. Yeah, and my house has square footage, and I could let the dog out in the back, the fenced-in backyard, and nobody's gonna like steal it or poison it. Yeah, and uh, it's all good. There was a time when like you were supposed to be really disdainful of the suburbs. You know, the suburbs were evil. The suburbs were like, you know, taupe and boring and like where your parents lived and like where you went to sell out. And yeah, now they are they are actually really appealing, you know, because um, it, it's not like, uh, I don't know, when you're a 45 year old parent of two, it's not like you're like, you know, walking a block and a half down to a cool bar. You know, like we're, right, we're gonna go yeah. hear a band. What's the new farm to table restaurant that's yeah, popped yeah. up in you know in the, in the old in the old dry goods store on the corner? Yeah, where can I pay ninety four bucks for a burger? You know, let's let's go do that. I mean, it's it's well, just, life is different. And I have you know I have such conflicted feelings about this particular like the tiny house thing. I have no conflicted feelings about. Yeah. They could just they're for somebody else. They can now they can all go away. Yeah. I grew up in the city, like right downtown yeah. Minneapolis. Urban living was, and not like hipster city at that point. It was yeah. just kind of city, city. Yeah. And so like I had an idealized, like this is the best place to live. Yeah, right. And then I went to college at Wheaton, which is antithetical to city. Right. It's just the most Pleasantville, rich, suburban, totally. quaint community ever. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And then I lived in the Wheaton area for years afterwards. And then I moved to Tennessee and have lived in the suburbs. So, I, I mean, I've spent significantly more of my life living in the suburbs than I have in the city. Mm-hmm. And it's only been in the last couple of years that I've kind of realized maybe this isn't so bad. Like yeah. there's still part of me that wants to live in the city. But then when I go walk around, I'm like, it would be really inconvenient to live here. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know? Yeah. So having to find a spot to parallel park my car to go up three floors to my two-bedroom flat sounds, yeah. you know, tiresome. It does. I'll be honest. Yeah, lugging groceries up a flight of stairs or whatever. Yeah, no, it's different. And uh, yeah, KK and I both actually used to have the city living fantasy, you know? Um, and we lived in a couple of big cities in our marriage, but we kind of lived you know, uh, further enough out that we were just in apartment complexes, not quite in the suburbs, but not quite in like cool hipster downtown, Um, which is probably the experience that most people have living in cities, to be honest. And uh, yeah, I don't know that I would, I would for sure go back to that. But um, I would say for for people with no kids, mm -hmm. the city is, has real, has real perks. I still still have at the back of my mind, like, okay, you know, down the road, empty nesters, like the kids are well-established elsewhere. What might it look like to have a, an apartment in the city or something like that kind of yeah. downsize or that, that kind of thing? Because I do love the city, yeah. but yeah, the thought of just trying to navigate life, you know, kids going to swim and to dance and to youth group and all this stuff from, you know, a house with, you know, a tiny house in a neighborhood with no yard or whatever. I'm like, man, that, how did my parents pull that off? That seems that, that all seems very complicated. Oh, I know it. Okay, so th- this this begs two questions. Let's sort of spend a minute on this from the ministry trends standpoint. So, like, I feel like for the last twelve to fifteen years, the city, capital T, capital C, has been the thing ministry thanks tim keller yeah so timmy k like does his thing it works out good for him and then like so you've got this this sort of movement where like we've got to redeem the cities and it seems like that's kind of like all the books have been written all the conference talks have been given on that that could be given it's not a bad thing at all um but it's kind of winding down my question to you is are the suburbs ever going to get like another another go around in the spotlight? Because I feel like the '80s were the decade of like, you know, Bill Hybels building a massive megaplex church in some Chicago suburb and everybody flocking to that. But it's been a long time since that was cool, and it would be hard. Here, here's the problem with suburban stuff getting cool again. I think in the Instagram and Twitter-centric world that we live in, it, it just functionally would be hard to make that look cool. So regardless of who you're trying to impress, it's tougher to like photograph well, it and filter it and make it look cool. You know what I mean? So what's cool is renewal. Okay. You know, yeah. the, or, you know from the Instagram and Twitter world. So yeah. urban renewal, where you take old warehouses and turn them into, you know, studio apartments or sure. condos or whatever. Yeah. Um, old church buildings getting repurposed. Well, the suburbs are, are a little ways away from that, but like they're on the front end of the renewal. You know, you get like yeah. a strip mall that is now mostly vacant. Yeah. But now it has church plants and it has, you know, a smoothie bar and it has yeah. vegan restaurants and it has like, so there's like the renewal thing 
is moving suburban, plus the fact that it used to be that the city was the affordable place to live because nobody wanted to live there. Yeah, right. Well, now cities are so expensive. Nobody can live yeah. there and except except for, you know, double Super income, no people. kids or just yeah. wealthy people. Everybody's right. moving to the suburbs because it's actually easier to get a home Square here. footage. So yeah. I, I do think the suburbs are going to have their day, but it's going to be a lot more like it, it. Again, it has more to do with like renewal and population turnover. Yeah. The, um, you know, there's all the gentrification in the cities. Take that, you know. There are people who think that's of the devil. There are people who are like, that's urban renewal. It's probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, but people are now leaving the city. And, you know, yuppies move to the city. Then they have kids and they're like, oh, these schools stink and I don't have a yard <laughs> yeah, or any extra exactly. bedrooms. Where do I go? Well, you go to the suburbs. Yeah. So yeah. I think I think that that's I think that that's going to be the case. So I think what's probably going to end up happening is that some of these churches that have, you know, been established in the cities are going to start to plant churches in the suburbs, have campuses in the suburbs, those kinds of things where like, that's where the people are. So I, yeah. I it, but, but I don't know that the suburbs will ever be, they will never be sexy. You know, like yeah. small town church planting has a Wendell Berry sexiness to it. Yeah. Urban church planting has a like Mark Driscoll meets Tim Keller sexiness to it. Suburban yeah. living yeah. is, you, you know, Izod golf shirts. So, you know, yeah. not nothing sexy about that. The last question, and then we should wrap it if we want to do any kind of a sports app on the back end of this. How sexy do you think small town church planning can get? Because like Ron's trying to make it sexy now with his with his book. I you know, so having grown up in a certain kind of small town, not a sexy one. Like, I love my small town, but it was not sexy. It wasn't sort of Instagrammable and quaint in the way that they are thinking of it. Like, and that's most small towns. You know, most, at least Midwestern small towns are very uh, agrarian, non-union labor, just little towns, right? They, they kind of got killed by, you know, various decisions that other people made. Um, how sexy do you think that can get? Like, what's the, what's the ceiling on it? I, it's, I think it's ripe for people to try it and fail. Yeah. You know, the kind that of thing right where like, so, you know, young guys come out of seminary or they feel called to church planting and maybe they are called church planting and they're like, you know what? Mm -hmm. Uh, this there's a, there's a little town in you know rural Minnesota and that they they need a vibrant church community so they drop in there with all this energy not realizing that there's like yeah 150 years of deep relational history yeah. mistrust of outsiders yeah. or maybe it's a really warm community but it's still like yo we just we we do things by the seasons here right like you know this we we have our rhythms we have our places everybody has their like you yeah. don't come in and and just do this so i think there's and I've read I've read a couple books, you know, when I worked at when I worked in, in publishing, I would do some press release work and stuff like that. And I read a couple on on rural or small town church planning that were a lot less about the sexiness and more about the like, what does it look like to be a faithful pastor in this context? Yeah. And I read it and I was like, oh, that's not for most people. Yeah. You know, because yeah. the, he's the pastor's like, you know, it's you, you're covering a massive geographic area. Yeah. Because people are driving in from farms miles away sure. and things like that. He said, you you know, you might spend the morning helping somebody birth calves 
the afternoon throwing hay bales with the guy whose whose son went away to college and he needs the labor and then you know and then get a call late at night that somebody's wife just had a heart attack and each one is 17 miles from the other one or something and i'm just like yeah that's not a life that this isn't this isn't quaint coffee shop conversations or right. you know saturday mornings in the diner with all the old men kind of thing yeah. that sound that sounds fun and and you know sure. movie worthy yeah yeah no, you're right. There's there's very little about it that is movie worthy or sexy. And the the trust runway is really long. Like I feel like my parents have lived in our little small town for 44 years and they're just now sort of getting entree into okay, you guys like really belong. <laughs> you know? And that's not unusual. I mean, that's that's kind of normal. Um, so yeah, for the, the, the super performative fired up fresh out of seminary guy who's looking to make a, a kind of brand statement, uh, uh with this, I, I don't think it's the move, but, um, it will be interesting yeah, to see how much the publishing industry gets out of it, you know? And it, it's hard to imagine, I mean, the difference, it's hard to, it's hard to express the difference between urban church planting and, and small town or rural pastoring mm -hmm. in terms of like rhythm and style. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if true. you pastor in an urban area, odds are two thirds of your congregation will roll over every two to three years. Yeah. There's just a lot just, of transients, just transients, mm -hmm. which means that, the the pace at which you do things is so different than a place where you are you're the new guy after you've been there 10 years. Yeah, that's so true. And yeah. and so what is the pace of relationship building, trust building? And I'm not saying this is an expert as much as just kind of painting the picture of how these things are just grossly different. Yeah, they are. They really are different. You know, which is why our industry, i.e. Christian publishing, which kind of roams to and fro throughout the landscape, like seeking the next sort of big score financially. I don't know. I don't know if like it's going to be there, um, but it'll be interesting. You know, it's always fun to watch these things and, and sort of see what happens. Yeah, I don't I mean, I I think I, I'm very encouraged by the fact that small town pastors are sort of coalitioning, if you will. To, yeah. to to verbify a word, mm -hmm. you know, to kind of, because it's it's got to be a pretty isolated existence. Yeah, um, yeah. Pretty, so to have that to have those those networks and and friendships is significant, yeah. but to turn it into some like our, our our drive of turning something into a movement or a brand or a conference or whatever is like, yeah. why? Yeah, <laughs> everybody was doing great. Just like encourage each other in doing great. Yeah, no, you're right, and and one of the more charming things about small town people is their desire to not turn everything into a marketing movement. <laughs> you know, it's one of the more refreshing things about small town life, if we're being honest. Um, yeah. so, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting, but pipe, we have NFL quarter quarterback movement to talk about on our other podcasts. So, uh, I'm going to say that we have roamed to and fro throughout this topic of travel and until next time. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. 
Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Hey everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. We're hosts of the Kainos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. To learn more and subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.